I want to play characters, you know? I want to have fun. Um, I want to play something other than myself. Right. Uh, and because the things that I've done have, have felt like myself, because obviously it's important to have that representation, but I could represent the trans community in a cisgendered role just as much as I could in a trans role. Hello and welcome to the Open Up Podcast. You've almost made it to the end of the season and I'm so happy as always that you are here, whether it's your first time or you're coming back. Thank you for being here for another conversation. It's amazing to have you and cannot wait to share this one with you. On this episode, we are going international to the UK and we have a whole new identity perspective to open up and share with you. Here is the ID for our guest on today's episode. How I am, don't know whether diagnosed is the right word, but obviously I am transgender. So obviously I was born female. And uh, when I was younger, I decided that that wasn't right. And there was a term for that. It was transgender. So that's my terminology. However, I just see myself as a man. Always was. Riley Carter is a British actor who is known in the UK for being the first ever actor who is trans to play a trans character in a British soap, the most popular EastEnders. And if you haven't heard of it, do a quick Google. It will tell you everything that you need to know. It's an amazing milestone for the industry and also for Riley as it pretty much began his career, but also had other impacts. Riley and I talk about what happened after his time on EastEnders we talk about masculinity and what it means to be a man of diverse identity in today's world and entertainment industry. We explore what spaces are allowed for artists who are labeled as trans and transgender and how that spotlight can affect the well-being and mental health of the artist that it shines on. Essentially, what is it like navigating the entertainment industry as an actor who carries a label that they don't want and an expectation that they're constantly trying to meet. It's a really fascinating conversation with a genuinely lovely, happy, generous guy that I was so thrilled to have and to meet Riley for this conversation. I'm very grateful and proud that he did choose to open up with us and share these experiences for the first time. You know, I don't believe that he's talked about these publicly this way before to really share an insight into what it's like to not just be an actor on set in his position, but what it's like to just be in the world in his position when he really doesn't want to draw attention to the aspects of himself that other people are most focused on. There's definitely a lot to learn here, and I do hope that you really enjoy this episode. I will see you on the other side. Thank you so much for being here to listen to this one. This is episode eight, opening up the TV and film industry in the UK with Riley Carter. I've just done this play, like, what is it to be a man anyway? What does the word man mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. That's what the play was about? It was about masculinity. Um, wow. Basically, what, what is it to be a man? How is it, the term man, what's it defined by? What, what is a man? And I, I don't know that can be overcomplicating things, but like, I've always been this masculine figure as opposed to the feminine one that I was, you know, supposedly meant to be. Expected to um, be, maybe, right. Yeah, expected to be, I suppose. And, um, yeah, just just me. Are you generally quite an open person when it comes to conversations like that, if there's an opportunity? Yeah. Sometimes I wish you would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I kind of think, I actually had a weird experience the other day. I just met these women who just watched the show hmm. and they didn't, uh, well, one of them didn't know for definite that I was trans. And anyway, she'd had quite a bit to drink. She seemed nice um, and, and she was nice, but then she got comfortable enough to say, what, what, what have you got? Like, oh no. And her friend was like, you don't have to answer. And I was kind of like, 
the problem is it was like a, she'd opened a door which I wanted to answer because I wanted to ask her like I wanted to put it into perspective so I was like well okay so I kind of said to her like why do you feel like that's okay to answer I'm quite an open person and I probably would just answer it but firstly I want you to know or I want to know why you think it is okay to just ask that like because you wouldn't go up to that guy sat over there and go oh is your you know crooked or whatever <laughs> else or if I said like oh what's your you know yeah. your downstairs like what does it look like then I'm sure there'd be a big uproar about that but it's okay to ask a trans person like but then I also was doing that and then I started to feel like oh host doesn't think I'm rude and I'm like wait and I'm having this battle of like why am I thinking why am I bothered like why am I thinking that she thinks I'm rude uh... um, and it's just ridiculous how sometimes can feel like people have this power that it's okay to ask this question and then like I say I then felt bad because if I thought well if I question her on it and make her feel uncomfortable well she could then have this opinion on me and and that oh this this actor was especially as you know people always like meet actors and you hear about them and they go oh he's a dick mm. like you know what I mean anything could have been said from her perspective just because I didn't answer a question or answered it in a funny way and um I've not had an experience like that for a while but it happens. Yeah, it was just it was just really out of the blue, and it just I was like, okay. I don't know what it is in people that they feel entitled to just be curious in your face about you, but almost like you're some kind of experiment they want to know the results of or something. It's like it's like a fascination of like a like a like it does feel like a circus. Like they say, like you know, you see the old like in American Horror Story, you had the freak show, mm. and you've got like all the the ones that are all different on parade and blah blah blah. And sometimes it does feel like that. It's just like oh, people are oh a new. A new thing like oh what does this thing do to press this button like <laughs> that's sometimes actually how it can feel and yeah. I felt like um sorry I just opened that I felt like it was just a weird moment like I didn't understand because as I say I am an open person so naturally instinctively I had just an urge to just answer the question but then I had to take a step back and think why am I answering this question why do I have to why do I feel like I, I should? Like, I felt like I wanted to educate, but then I also wanted to understand her mind. And then, like I said, I just had that feeling of feeling like, oh, I hope I don't come across as if I'm I'm making her uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, what an idiot. Like, why am, I feel, why, why am I feeling bad? Right. I mean, I don't want that to be your thought process either. It's mine too. When I'm in situations like that, I don't want the other person to feel uncomfortable or... At the same time, I understand, as you do as well, that's just not the thing to focus on. But there's a reason that we do. I think if you're an open person and if you want to be able to connect with people, and as actors, we often do, a lot of creators and artists, it's all about communicating, storytelling, uh, empathy, just connection and communication with people. You're more likely to push yourself to one side, but th there's got to be a level of respect. But how... Okay, let me ask you then, how do you find that you navigate that when there are aspects of you as a person that people who don't know you are just curious about in that way and want to know and they're kind of trying to pull answers out of you, but then you also want to hold your own, you know, privacy and integrity intact and have that respect. What what is what's that like for you or what's that been like for you? I think there is space to be forgiving. To people you know people may ask something and not phrase it in the right way they may not know how to, I mean that's the question that's kind of uh, still very intrusive in general anyway but uh, like regardless like people may not ask it in the right manner so I always try to get an understanding of whether or where the genuine kind of if there is a genuine kind of thing there if someone's being just genuinely curious or if they're being a bit spiky or trying to be nasty or assert their authority type thing you know people ask these questions to try and diminish you like and make you feel weaker or you know that kind of thing so I tried to establish that first I tried to give people a, a chance and then usually if anything if someone was really getting on my nerves I would just be patronizing <laughs> that's my that's my thing love a bit of patronizing. <laughs> um, I do sometimes use humor to deflect it I think it's a thing, it's a natural kind of thing sometimes, like a bit like Chandler off Friends. 
it's because you do when something gets a bit too serious and also as i say i do still worry that i don't want people taking this negative I, like oh god he was an asshole like and I'm, and i don't know why i think that like because it's like but why am i an asshole for sticking up for myself if there was an issue do you know what i mean but yeah. again i feel like that's something that i've probably carry as me as a person is that i feel like if if i was to stand up for myself which i do stand up for myself but it's just in a like i say more of a kind of laugh it off and, and be a bit jokey but make sure i i'm serious at the same time that probably makes no sense and you probably try to imagine what this jokey but serious uh <laughs> thing is but um it seems to work in the moment no i i get it and i think people who are often in awkward positions like that where they're kind of made to be the awkward thing in the room probably understand that too i mean i get it it's most of my life <laughs> it's constantly like creating a, a a more comfortable atmosphere for somebody else to be awkward with information because i'd rather i'd rather they are the name i want to ask you more about the play because it seems like it's a really interesting theme for you to get to be involved with and have some input in creatively were there any experiences when you were doing the play that were interesting for you as you're you know telling this story that's exploring what masculinity is and having your own journey with that and communicating that to people as well yeah i think it's, it's funny so there was um essentially i mean the the, the run is over now so I'm not giving anything away but like <laughs> um there's three characters in it which was Mark, which was my character, which is a lead role from a trans perspective, but it wasn't predominantly fixated on the trans thing. We also then had this other character, which was meant to be like Mark's twin, who's a gay male. And then we have this kind of friend who's called Sullivan, and he was this just cisgendered, straight, boring, married man type, <laughs> you know, that right. life. Yeah. Yeah. So they they ultimately at the end were all versions of the one man of, of Mark and he throughout the play is trying to establish what it means to be a man. Like if you're gay and you act feminine, you know, are you less of a man, even though you say have the genitalia, you were born a male, but yet, you know, if you're being told that you're a, a sissy or whatever, like those kind of things like, okay, so if I'm a gay male, I'm am I not a man. Um, and then being a, a heterosexual cisgendered male like the what things come with that the pressures that come with being born a man identifying as a man i think you know we overlook that as well because not ever, what is a man like it's just so it's just kind of funny that we all say oh oh yeah yeah you need to be a man you need to be this but like what is that like it there's not a clear it's just not a clear thing for what a man is. And for me, it was funny because I've experienced that transitioning, trying to establish what I need to do. You know, um, do I have to be this one that makes furniture out of pallets and can be an amazing decorator and all this kind of stuff? Cause my, my, my dad, you know, he, he likes cleaning and, um, and he's a, a great, handyman and he does everything like you know he'll he's never changed wires before but he'll look it up and he'll do it and he'll take a shot at it type thing i'm like i'm not touching that <laughs> um that's probably a responsibility thing more than uh, anything else <laughs> but i remember uh an ex of mine that had made a comment saying like you know that i, I couldn't put this like this gazebo up or whatever and like i needed help from my brother-in-law and and that just like for her was a bit like mm. it's just like oh my days like what I couldn't I, I I cook yeah I'm a good cook I'm really good cook and I'll clean and um, sometimes it can be a bit messy but I'll, I'll always do everything that I possibly can do but yeah I can't I can't build furniture and I can't I can't rewire a car or I can't whatever like the stereotypical male things. Mm. But how many met like especially this newer generation of males like 
a lot of them uh, seem helpless <laughs> because we're just <laughs> we're just fixated on um we're not we've, we've not been made to do those things i think as well do you know what i mean yeah. um my dad my brother their generation my granddad like they all had to kind of chip in and and do the labor the hard labor and that's just not something that we've been built to do in this newer generation right um yeah i was born female but i was always it's so funny because i was always with my dad i played football with my dad i did the manly things i always wanted to help my dad out building stuff i never actually took on how to do it but i liked being able to think i was a part of that and my mum was always left out and then actually when i transitioned it was like I distanced myself from my dad and I became more comfortable with the feminine side. Mm. And then I, I was like wanting to go shopping with my mom and stuff. But, oh, my God, if my mom ever tried to go get me shopping before I transitioned, she, yeah, it never happened, basically. So it, Why do you think that was? I don't know. Um, probably because, obviously, it was meant that I would have to go for the stereotypical things, which... Ultimately, when I did go shopping with my mum once, that's actually when I came out because I, I told my mum in the middle of the shop <laughs> um, <laughs> to avoid the scene. <laughs> smart. Very smart yeah, yeah. in front of a crowd. Um, <laughs> so, wow. you know, we were looking at clothes and stuff and we were going on holiday and we were looking at female clothes and I kept looking at the boys section and I like, and I think she had an inkling because I was not being subtle. I was playing Beyonce's "If I Were a Boy" repeatedly in the house, um, so I think she was starting to get the hint. <laughs> um, <laughs> were you really playing that song? Yep. <laughs> it, did that speak to you? No. Yeah, it was just. I mean, I was just listening to the words, like imagining, like being a boy. Like if I was a boy, you know, I could just do this and I could just do that, and it was always that like, I could just do. And I could just be, and it always felt like it was easier to be a boy, to be a man, the way it's portrayed. And that's not the that's not the case. I, you know, I've met so many guys, and I think this is what's amazing about also being involved in this play is having these conversations, but also my own thoughts throughout my journey is that it's not clear what being a man is and how we should should be as males. And that's why it's so good recently, obviously the past several years, the whole like men talking and opening up and stuff like it's really important because I don't think there is a clear cut definition of, of how to be a man. I mean, it would have been a lot easier had I had a manual when I was transitioning, but like there wasn't and you have to figure it out. And there's a line in the play. It was like, you know, you're only as big as you present. Like nobody tells you that you have to figure it out. You know, you have to practice. You have to practice standing. You have to practice sitting and you do. And that, these are the things I used to ridicule myself. If I sat in a certain way or did something with my hands, um, you're like, oh God, I look, I look girly. Like, you know, if I stand in this position, if I have my hand on my hip, like, you know, I look feminine and it's like you are constantly going over and over what you're doing with yourself. And I think because I did it for so long, I still do it now. You know, I'm so self-aware um, mm. that it is annoying because it's like I just want to relax sometimes, and uh, you know, and and it's got better over the years. Don't get me wrong; um, I'm not as self-conscious. But like when I was in EastEnders, for example, you know, I was 21, and it was I couldn't even believe what was happening. You know, that opportunity was amazing, but I was so self-aware you know self-conscious um and because of that I started putting on more weight because I was eating more to make me happier um <laughs> even more self-conscious and like so, so then that's what I'm kind of trying to overcome now is body issues and again feeling like if I'm bigger I'm not as manly you know because I'm not as strong I'm not as you know that that kind of you see a, a lot of on Instagram at the moment, you know, you, these perfect bodies and um, and that 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 means you're manly. And obviously you, you're stronger, you're manly, you're attractive, you're healthy, you're whatever. And it's all these things that you're like trying to be constantly. And yeah, it's funny, like 
we've had a conversation before and I was thinking that I've had an easy life and I have had an easy life in comparison to people I've not faced abuse. I've never been beaten up, touch wood. Um, and I've got an amazing supportive family and friends. But like when actually you dissect all the constant thoughts that I have in my mind, mm. um, yeah, it's it can be quite annoying sometimes <laughs> constant dialogue in my head which we all do um you know we all we all have these things we all i'm sure many people look in the mirror and go i wish i could change this i wish i could change that like um you know we all have our problems with ourselves and it's just sometimes you don't even realize how much you really kind of pull yourself apart you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but oh, actually, I think it was my my girlfriend. I think she has said something. She's like, "Why are you so mean about yourself?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't realize it was. Um, I don't know. Just I always want to be better. I think I, I dreamt of such a a life and such a kind of not a life. I like my life." But like such a being this person, this ideal person, it's like when you say you, you never meet your hero, you know, because you'll be let down. <laughs> like, I think I dreamt of this, what I would be and that I could be this like, you know, grew up watching Disney, like this Prince Charming who like saves the day and all this business and looks amazing as glowing white teeth and loads of hair. <laughs> um, well, the hair things, yeah, not come true, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's just, I think I just got so fixated on on that that at times I forgot to just enjoy, you know, what I've become. I think people think being trans or non-binary, for example, is so, so alien, but like what I've just said there, we all ridicule ourselves with anything. We all have something in common because we would, I'd be able to sit down and, speak to someone and if, as, as especially even if it's someone that's not as open as I am had a few drinks and sooner or later they'd be telling me how they don't like this about themselves or they wish you could change this or just oh, I've started a diet again it's Monday like blah 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 you know what I mean like we all have that relatability but I think people just fixate on like the difference too much like the, the label you know they're irrelevant really Most of the time we were auditioning for roles. Would it be a poor assumption of people to think that you want to play trans characters all the time or that you never want to play a trans character? Or what's your relationship with that whole thing? And then we'll get into it a bit more and explain it for people. Yeah, so obviously this is the thing. As I say, I'm, a, I'm an actor. Okay, my defiant term by society is transgender. So that added with actor is trans actor, but I'm an actor. Like, and so I've got to the point now where I've been in this industry for seven years. Well, that went really fast. Congrats. Um, it does. <laughs> um, seven years. And it's always trans actor, blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, we all get stereotyped. You know, we get we get put into these categories for casting, mm -hmm. but I don't see why I should have to be put into a box. We get put into a box based on hair color, eye color, uh, skin color, those things. And obviously, sometimes, you know, the, the accents we, as actors, you hope that you can do accents. But like there's adapt adaptability there, but there's also a vision from the creatives. And I understand that um they want a certain look they want a certain you know like you say an aesthetic however when it comes to myself I just don't get why I couldn't play a man when most people don't know that I'm not born I wasn't born a man play a man is in play a cisgendered male character yeah. so uh, a man cisgendered obviously for people that don't know is someone who was born um, 
in their body as say for for yourself you're cisgendered yes yeah so you were born male and you identify as male so you're cisgendered however i'm transgendered because i was born female but i've always identified as male um just to to say real quick not to cut you off but no one's ever asked me that question so i've never thought about it before but it's funny how we say we identify as these things but when really it's really like you're saying with the trans term I never told anyone I identified as male, just society said that's what I was. And so if I answer that question, my answer really is just, this is what I've been told I am. It's not actually, this is what I decided one day at all. I, I, haven't, I haven't questioned it that much. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I feel like I have a need to, but it is a lot more passive than active. And I think, I wonder how different that would be if we were more active in thinking about how we identify anyway. Please continue. <laughs> um, I've had auditions for cisgendered roles, but not a lot. And especially over the seven year span of my new career, because um, it still feels very new. Um, you know, most of them have been transgender roles. And I feel I'm in a position where it's like, if it's transgender, it's some production or um, that's trying to obviously make a, a statement by putting this character in there for a reason, for what reason they want. And that's great. And to add that representation. However, I sometimes feel like the, the roles aren't characters enough. They just feel like you're just adding in a trans person. And again, I don't speak for everyone because I don't watch every single program on, in the world, obviously. Uh, so there may be things out there that I'm unaware of, but what I'm aware of in the UK a lot of the, the trans characters or the ones I've auditioned for, at least, they just it just feels like it's a similar story mm. all the time. Or it always starts with the whole, you know, I'm trans and this is my life. And it just feels very like having to explain it really you know, in simple terms. I want to play characters, you know. I want to have fun. Um, I want to play something other than myself. Right. Uh, and because the things that I've done have, have felt like myself, because obviously it's important to have that representation, but I could represent the trans community in a cisgendered role just as much as I could in a trans role. Like Exactly. That's a great point. You don't have to be have that label on the character for it to change the truth of you being a representative of that community. And I think casting a trans person in a cisgender thing is a even bigger thing and even bigger representation because you're saying that you don't have to be defined by that. Exactly. exactly. That's a bigger thing. And like uh, in Inventing Anna that Laverne Cox played a cisgendered woman. Yeah. Great. Love it. She's a good actor. She's a great actor. She, she was. She even looked like the real person. You know what I mean? And he fit that role for her abilities. And yeah, she's trans, great, and she's done trans roles. And she, she started that with the Orange and New Black, and that was great in America. And love that. And now it's like, yeah, just let her play roles. Let her play characters. Mm. We're all different in in how we support and and help our communities we've got people for different things and and i'll i feel like right now my time is to really fight and say i don't want to do trans roles right now because even if that means i don't get roles for a while i really want to prove a point that put me in a, a cisgendered role and see what difference it makes because not being funny as well. It's, it's not exactly like I'm, you know, I'm known for obviously being the first trans person in a in a trans role in a UK soap, and that was wow. amazing, and that was a pivotal moment in in UK history. And it's ah, oh, I love I love that. I love that for younger me. I love that for little me. You know, but now older me is getting a bit peed off with being put in this box and. Um, I want to express myself as a actor playing a different role. Like I want to go on set and not think I have to uh, think of the sad trans story. Like, because mm. there's a lot more to trans people than 
just being trans, like, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact, like I say, it's not me saying that these stories are important because they are, but mm-hmm. I feel like we need to start including more variety now of those stories. Everything that I talk about, get interviewed on, obviously is, is always about being trans. And I get it because that's me. And, and, and that's also amazing that I have this representation because when I was younger, there was just these programs that were like sex change programs and, you know, or Hayley Cropper on Coronation Street who was obviously played by a, a cisgendered woman. Like the trans person was always the butt of the joke and all that kind of stuff. So it's great now that these characters and these real people, because we're real people, um, are included because that's real life. We need diversity on screen because it reflects real life. There's just not a, one area where it's just white, rich men <laughs> <laughs> running the world. You mentioned um, before about uh, being on EastEnders and that you said that was the first trans representation played by an actor who also is adequate for the trans label in the UK? Yeah, yeah. That is huge. And that was, this is when? So, uh, 2015. 2015. And that was you. Yeah. So while that was exciting, of course, and that was your first job as well? First audition, I was at, um, I was studying acting at university and um, I just finished my second year. I saw a tweet the other day because it's that time of year that, you know, we're going into summer. And I was like, oh, last exam done. Can't wait for third year roll on. And then little did I know, two months later, I was moving to Hertfordshire and uh, going on the set at Elstree and Borenwood. <laughs> wow. Obviously, that's a huge opportunity, not just your first, but to be put on that kind of pedestal must have been exciting, but also other stuff I would imagine for you. Well, so as I say, I was at university and I didn't tell anyone I was trans when I went to university. Okay, yeah. I was still early on in my transition because uh, I was 18 or oh, 19, sorry. So, but I just started testosterone when I was 18 um, because you couldn't take it before then. So I was on blockers. Legally? Yeah, so I was on blockers Um and then come my 18th birthday, they were like, well, we'll give you a, a half dose of testosterone. And my mum was like, no, <laughs> you're giving him the full whack. <laughs> <That's> that. <laughs> Get so it, mum. Like, okay. <laughs> um, that happened. I went to university and I didn't tell anyone because I thought I don't want to be defined by this. Like, as, as I feel or as I've always felt, I just don't want to be defined by one small part of me you know what I mean um and most people didn't know someone then I knew someone in my year I don't believe he ever told anyone but I know someone else knew someone who was in a year below me at uh, high school and they told them Uh, but no one ever came up to me I just figured out I found out that some people knew you put the dots together yeah so majority of people anyway didn't know so then when it came to the role, I was very vague about what the role was. Um, but I thought, well, I need to tell them. I can't exactly join, have this big press announcement and uh, and then suddenly they find out that way. So I was like, oh, God's sake. Like, again, I've got to come out. I'm sick to death of this coming out business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we'll do that. Um, and, you know, everyone was fine. Like, I, I remember telling my one one of my friends, Amy, uh, I rang her on the phone and I had my other friend on the phone who had already told because I just felt like I needed that in case she kicked off for some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so I was telling her and I was, and she was like, right, okay. And then she she was like, so what, do you do you wear dresses? Or I was like, what? And she was like, well, so basically she thought I was a man and I wanted to be a woman. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bless her. So I passed that much. Uh, looking at pictures now, I, I've got my, I look so, to me, so girly. And uh, I'm sure, I mean, you must have felt, like you said, just so un- uncomfortable if you ever in pu- pushed in that direction as a kid, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm, 
you know, I was always, I was just crazy. I was always wanting facial hair, you know, I always wanted these things, as we say, that were, that are linked with being masculine and whatever else. I just always wanted facial. My dad's got a mustache. So now I've got the, uh, the mustache going on. Um, and yeah, just, I always wanted these things and I didn't. And I, I have these rosy cheeks, which have always annoyed me. And everyone goes, oh, they're so nice. I'm like, no, but for me, it makes me feel feminine. And I feel girly with having them. Um, and it's actually only in the last two years, well, last year and a half that my facial hair has actually just suddenly came through. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, before that, it was just like little random bits. And now it's right. actually starting to... Oh, you must be loving it then now. The yeah, yeah. So um, decade beginning of just... Finally beard. starting to feel... <laughs> and, it, and I do. It's only within the last... Actually, since lockdown the first one um, that I've actually started to feel more masculine and more comfortable. Uh, I think that also contributed because I started losing weight um, and then put weight on again. And that's when, again, I feel, I feel more feminine when I put more weight on. Um, I don't know why I just, I just do. I think again, there's a, a line from the play that I just did. It's like, you know, if I stand in the right position, I look long and square, no rounds, no bumps. And I think obviously, again, we have these examples of what a man and woman is. And a woman is like this figure and a man's straight figured body. Um, so when, again, all these things that contribute to that. Did they announce you as a trans actor when they announced the casting of yeah, the role? So, so, so because it why. was the first in UK history, it was... A, a trans actor playing a trans role because the two really were still fairly new yeah. um, to have a trans role on television and necessarily, like I said, not being a point of ridicule or this like, or like a man dressed as a woman or vice versa or whatever. The trans role was always, was never usually the figure of mm. the actual person. Um, so yeah. So it was trans actor, transgender actor, Riley Carter, Millington, because my dad wanted the surname in. I was like, Dad, my name's too bloody long now. <laughs> so, I've cut the Millington off now, sorry. Um, oh, sorry. Bye, Bill. But yeah, so, and, and that's the thing. It's just kind of stuck. Um, and it's not, I always feel like it seems like I'm ashamed of the trans thing. And it's not, it's just like, it's just doesn't define me and I feel like every time that word's used it puts me somewhere it puts me in a in a in a corner or in a box and it's like it's just not me so that's why like I said I didn't didn't tell anyone when I joined uni because it just didn't feel why <laughs> why do we need to I just I just want people you know to love me for me like me for me not for you know because i think sometimes you can either have like say disadvantages in life and people feel sorry for you and then like yeah or you can be really uh privileged and people can want you because you have a privileged life and you can so it's just like i just want people to you know not everyone's gonna like you that's fine like but don't like me for because i'm a sarcastic so-and-so like <laughs> not because i'm trans because you know I, I, or or vice versa don't like me because i'm i don't know it's just like i just i just hate being defined by one small thing you know as again i'm on a journey at the moment of trying to get to a place where i feel like i'll be happy uh and i may not you know which is losing weight and trying to build up muscle and strength and I might get to that I might get to that what I feel like is an ideal physique and not be happy and then I mean I don't know what I'll do then but, <laughs> but, like, um, but for me I'm fixated on that now because I've started to feel more happier in who I am mm. comfortable that I can't build a friggin shed or whatever and that's fine but I cook and I clean and and I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the fact that I'm not a stereotypical man and I'm never going to be. And that is fine because, again, I'm me. But I do want to lose weight for health reasons as well. You know, I want to 
my grand and granddad at 90, I would love to get to that age and be like them. I'm just, I am fixated on that at the moment. And my point is why I was mentioning it, because I always watch videos and hear people who are overweight um, say how they're treated differently. They're defined by their size. Um, people treat them with less respect. They'll ask them invasive questions or they'll be a bit, you know, whatever. And it's the same principle. Anything it seems that is outside of this man, woman, cisgendered man, woman, uh, white, you know, like it's just, it just feels like you're then allowed to be looked at and under a microscope and yeah. said anything to you. And um, yeah, so I just, like I say, I'm on TikTok and I'm seeing all these videos of people saying like how you are treated differently when you're bigger. Um, so it's just funny knowing that side as well. So for, for the relatability, my point is we all have these, the, these moments where we're all treated differently and we're all made to feel inadequate even by people who themselves are treated that way. I can imagine purely imagine um which is you know why this is your word not mine uh, that I, I want you to have on this but i can imagine being labeled as trans in reference to there being a point of some kind of transition in my life but that's i'm not in transition in this current moment that's something behind me but to have that remain as a present label for something that's no longer the case if that makes sense I, I would imagine that's pretty frustrating. It makes sense. I've never really thought of it like that. But as soon as you said it, it kind of hit me like, yeah, because again, it's like, right, yeah, I had to change. I had that transition of saying and having to, like, say, come out and tell everyone, change my name, change my gender, do my passport, yeah. do all this faff. Jeez. That's the transitional period, you know? Um, yeah. And now it's just real life it's just i get on with it you know it's like when you move house like you don't say how long how i've just moved house oh when did you move house uh 12 years ago but i've just just you know and i'm still right it's like oh so you're moving so this is a moving person <laughs> yeah that that kind of analogy i don't know i because i hear you when you're expressing it and how it's not that you you have shame about it i mean clearly at all from how open you are with expressing you want to welcome people in to understand but also you don't want to just be defined by something that it doesn't sound like you were growing up wanting to be someone in transition that wasn't the point but that's something that you went through to get to the point where you felt like you you should be wanted to be needed to be whatever that was i mean i think it's easier again it's of individuals story and process not everyone yeah. is able to um identify as clearly how they feel you know right. um and that journey can take years and years and it can take 12 years absolutely and someone could start transitioning and and not feel that way because they've misunderstood what their feelings are so for everyone it's not clear cut for me it was I was two years old. I have photographs in my granddad's suits. I always wanted to be the man. I had a, a character that I called myself. His name was Andy Maraschino. Um, and I wrote it in all my books. Like, I always signed these books. I was obsessed with America. So I'd have like these books with the paperback and like sign these books. No way. Yeah, like yearbooks and shit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so this was my character and I played him all the time. I used to go home after school like when I was in high school, even like year 11, 12, go home, put my dad's suits on, sing in the mirror, like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, winking in the mirror, imagining myself like doing all this stuff, like being like <laughs> girls looking at me going, oh yeah. And then I'd used to shit myself when I hear my mum coming home and I'd have to run upstairs quickly, hide all the clothes. I always remember this one time I left my dad's shoes downstairs and obviously my dad oh. wasn't home yet because my dad came home after my mum. Mum was like, why is your dad's shoes here? And I was like, 
don't know. And you know, you just feel like really, and it was just a really simple question, but I know what I'd been up to. So I felt really guilty of why are these shoes, <laughs> you know, when you're really yeah. not acting casual. Uh, and yeah, it's just always been clear. Like, yeah, I played football and stuff, but that doesn't mean anything. Like a lot of, you know, all these women footballers doesn't mean that they're either trans or gay. They just like football and they're good at it. So they play it. Exactly. Like it doesn't mean that you're, like or you know or if you're if you're male and you're a, a ballet dancer it doesn't mean you're gay right like people tend to think that a male who does ballet is probably homosexual like it's like it has to be this on off switch of either it's always true or it's never true it's like no it can be true but not because those two things exist there's no equation that makes yeah any identity it's it, it's not it's not how it works it's not a recipe you add this and this and you get this you can't change something that's true and real. You can only suppress it at best, which is not a good thing to do for anyone. It, nothing's gained that way. This is what's great about these kind of things and these conversations and all the people that I know who, obviously, again, specifically for the trans community, but like the allies, people who go to these events and speak and go to these rallies and and do their part and then we've got the actors you've got musicians you've got people who are putting themselves out there in these fields to represent and show that we're here and mm. we're not going anywhere um so you better get used to it um and, and the more <laughs> that happens and like I say this podcast happening this open up like the more we will be in a position that you know oh, you're not at a disadvantage if you like this, because actually you'll find there's a lot, probably a lot more people like us who are the minority than the majority. And actually the minority will become the majority. How how long were you were you on uh, EastEnders for? Um, it was just over a year, I think. Um, so is that what it was supposed to be when you were auditioning? It was about that long or is it not set? It's not set. I think it was six months initially. Uh, and then it did get extended, but at the time, um, the executive producer that brought me on, he was so Dominic Trevor Collins. He was so passionate about bringing this character on, but then he got a job at Sony, um, and he left and then, uh, another producer came on and, um, that was that then he didn't want that character in there. There wasn't much of a conversation. Well, there wasn't a conversation. It was just obviously whatever he decided, you know, as executive producers do, they decide how they want the show to go. Um, and the decision was to boot your character. He didn't see how my character could fit in the, in the show. Um, but he did get, he also got rid of some iconic characters. Um, but at the time, you know, I was very young and like, it was just like it, it was quite a lot to take on board but i've just been my life just changed overnight and as i say I, I hadn't hadn't been out i hadn't told anyone it's going to university i was stealth as they say and then the whole world essentially you know knew about me and um and i just suddenly felt exposed but obviously again i was i was young and you panic i was just felt like oh what do I do now? <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I didn't have a agent at the time. I, I started this, you know, just by emailing the casting director and, and it's only recently now where I'm obviously I've, I've, I've been in a few more things and I've met quite a lot of high up people um, that have all said like, Oh, you're, you're great. And we'd cast you in anything and all this kind of business. And I just, you know what want to now just see what I can be casting as a I, I don't make it I don't I don't hide it I, I everyone asks me like what do you what, what are you doing next you know the question you're on a project and they go, oh what are you doing next and it's nothing worse if you don't have anything coming up <laughs> that's it I'm gonna focus on myself I've decided <laughs> I feel like there's few times that I feel sorry for myself but I do know that I'm aware that sometimes I feel like when I go on set or something that I feel like I have to prove myself a bit more than others because mm -hmm. it feels like I can't explain it, but it just, that's how it feels. And I think that just comes from when being told by a friend that the tutor at university had said like, 
again, it's not quote for quote, um, but it was to the group, like, don't compare to Riley because he's gone on to EastEnders because it's a it's this particular trans role and it's blah, blah, blah. And it just, again, obviously, I know in your head, things can always develop as well. And I wasn't there, so I don't know the full content, but it right. was enough to put something in my head which has stuck for the past 10 years you know near enough but i mean it makes everything that you're able to achieve a novelty i just feel like if i get a job that it's only because i'm trans and not because of ability and that's why i always say i would want a role based on my ability even if it's a trans role because there's so many actors out that and and i'm looking forward to seeing even more new trans actors <laughs> actors who happen to be transgender and I'm looking forward to seeing all these new faces and this upcoming talent. Yeah, I just want to I want to get a role based on my ability. That's why I want to be invited into the room. Not, oh, right. We need a transgender actor range 18 to 60 years old, because that's usually what it is. Um, really? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what? OK, look, yeah, Riley. Like, yeah, he's all right. Let's audition him and obviously i'm grateful for those opportunities for the auditions don't get me wrong like i think i really don't want it to come across as if i'm ungrateful because i'm, I'm not because the fact that i'm even doing acting and every role that i get i'm like oh my god like i can't believe actually living my childhood dream um i know it's, it's crazy right yeah exactly it's just like i'm actually playing up and uh, dressing up and stuff and getting paid for it like <laughs> eight-year-old buzzing but like, I just, like I say, it's just more about moving on now. And like, how many times, you know, I know people in business say you should change your job. You should change your career every three years. You should change your role. Like, so why can that not be the same in acting? Some breakdowns in the last couple of months that I've seen have started to, instead of saying, uh, Rick, male, 25, and uh, now it says, um, Rick presents his mail, 25 to 30, which I assume is to say, I assume is to open it up to more than just cisgendered, cisgendered actors and to be deliberate about it. How do you feel about something like that? Have you ever seen anything like that? I don't think I've seen that, but like, but like I say, for me, it's like, I find it funny that when it's like a transgender male, 18 to 60, or no, transgender person, sorry, 18 to 60 any ethnicity it's like it feels like it's just still have anything that just ask for a transgender male who's on the range of five foot five to six foot with blonde hair blue eyes and five foot nine and or ten but near enough ten let's say five ten um great you know what i mean like be specific like you can be specific <laughs> like so for me i i think i get more annoyed that there isn't that specificity there because it just feels like you'll have anything. I, I've, I've had conversations about that too. Like there seems to be an, an something to navigate right now when it comes to specificity in the industry. And there is an energy of wanting to honor different identities, but also there's this leans towards an oversensitivity and a politeness of, oh, how do we do this so that no one's offended? It's yeah. like, just be, at least try and be just specific first or... From my opinion, if you don't have a specific story in mind for this character that you want to be diverse one way or another, maybe you shouldn't be telling it right now. Or maybe you're not the person to do it. Maybe there's someone somewhere who has a specific person, identity, story that they want to show and tell and feed life into that is rooted in something real, that educates people from a, a, an authentic source that is respectful, that doesn't need to worry about being too polite about it. Maybe those are the right people to be telling the stories of these identities and communities. It doesn't have to be all the time. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be 100%, but... Oh, I get it. I, I, like, no, like you say, it doesn't have to be all the time. It's not about... But like, you know, I remember the conversation saying straight people or cisgender people shouldn't play trans or gay actors. And the point was, no, it's not that you can't and you shouldn't. It's just we need to represent ourselves first before you get the roles. You know what I mean? You, that's what I was about to say was exactly that. And that exact same perspective, because that's how I feel about it. And I've talked about this too. 
some people get offended. They're saying, what, you're telling me what I can't play? Well, it's acting. And so why shouldn't I be not be allowed to and all this stuff? It's like, it's not about what you are and are not capable of doing. It's about trying to have more of a sensitive responsibility and understanding of the importance of authentic storytelling. I'm not saying that you can't be straight and play a character that's gay. I wouldn't actually make the same difference when it comes to trans representation, but I that's also because it's not as close to me, so I would be less likely. I, I wouldn't feel as inclined to just claim that I can say what I feel about that space. But I think right now, yes, the people who should be telling those stories, especially when we're at a point of those stories being largely informative and educational for their audience, because there still isn't enough of an authentic representation across media in general. A lot of people get their ideas of what people are like from entertainment. A lot of people educate themselves that way. And at the end of the day, if we're still at the beginning of absorbing this content as informative content, shouldn't we be looking at the authentic original source of things a lot more often, or at least trying to? And wouldn't you, if you're not representative representative of that authentic experience or identity, wouldn't you not want to step to the side, especially when there is so much on your side already that you can and do do? If people can't, like, the minority, because at the end of the day, look, so many straight white male roles, like yes, that are easy to conceive of and easy for people to believe in that aren't that informative of an experience. Yeah, like uh, it doesn't require an element because it doesn't require that element of truth. Because then that means that means that an actor will have to have lived every single piece of truth for every role, right. and that's not the case, obviously. So. It's mm. not that like a straight man couldn't play a trans role, but initially, as you say, it's important that we at least start off with the right representation, but there needs to be that element of truth that live truth because it's harder. There are more experiences of being trans or being gay, being a lesbian, like that need to be put into these, injected into these roles, passed on to like the writers and stuff more so that's needed from when you're writing a, a white straight male character how would you say people can best support you as a labeled trans actor who just wants to be an actor based on their ability and acknowledge for that. I just, with, with that, in regards to being trans and being an actor and, and roles and stuff, I just think it's about equal opportunity. Uh, and it sounds a really basic answer, but like it is, but I'm also understanding that in the creative world, I'm not going to fit every role. I do get that, obviously, that's not what I'm asking for. I'm not asking, I'm not asking to play every single role and that I shouldn't be, should suddenly should be invited to every audition because that's not the way it works. And I wouldn't expect that. You know what I mean? I just want to know that I have a fair chance and I want a fair chance based on my ability, not on my diversity because my diversity will, you know, obviously it speaks for itself. It's, it's there. It, it is who I am it's known who I am and it doesn't need to continue to be raised as something because I feel like the more that we continually address that slight difference creates more of a a bigger gap between each other you know what I mean you'll be referred to as an actor and I'm referred to as a trans actor and that is it, it, it is a difference and obviously to some people, it can just be as simple as that I'm transgender, I'm an actor. But for me, it just feels like there's a difference in the um, the opportunities, the the ability. And because I feel like the roles aren't developed enough yet for, for, for trans people, there's not enough character work behind these roles. I want to see more characters, you know, um, a superhero you know, and that that person is is trans and 
that it's not even mentioned again just even if it was a transgender role that it's just a passing comment mm-hmm. and that but the whole thing about that character is something completely different that the narcissistic the the uh they've got ocd and or whatever just that there's other traits that are like the main thing not the the fact that the trans i just feel like just stop hi- highlighting the obvious and now just get more creative <laughs> really and speak you know i know people do i know creatives do and i've had that experience where i've been on something and they've asked to have conversations and that's great and i love that respect there and it was nice to have input at points, but this still needs to be continuous and this still needs to be a lot more lead roles, you know, not just background characters. I want to see that now for, for a trans person. You know what I mean? Is there anything that is important for you to open up about? Firstly, you're listening for a reason and whether that, you know that reason or not because i think we all find ourselves intrigued by stuff and don't actually know why and you'll get to the end of an episode and think shit why did i find that emotional or why did i feel anger at points of someone's story like you know and the 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 reason is is because we are all the same (laughs) because we're all human and we all experience the same emotions and we all experience the same or similar things in life that we are made to feel different or we're made to feel inadequate. Um, And that we need to open up our minds more to see ourselves as just individuals rather than sectioning ourselves off into categories you you know you just don't even know who you stood next to um you know who you're talking to and the difference is is that you could take five minutes out of your time to to listen to this or to speak to someone on the 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 train or in a pub that has a completely different life to you and have your mind kind of blown you know, just because you think you're not trans, like listening to this, that you can't relate to my story, you can because what you'll find is story of feeling inadequate, feeling insecure, you know, how you deal with things, um, your fears in life, you know, we all have the same emotions, they're just told in different ways. And you have reached the end of another Open Up Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. That was Riley Carter. To underline Riley's points, the industry needs more specific and developed characters who are written as trans, but also to not box actors that happen to be trans into those small and narrow boxes alone. Because yes, like any diverse identity community, actors and artists who are trans should have the priority in representing themselves and telling their own stories from their own authentic standpoint of understanding. But not only that, if the industry is only willing to let artists who are trans into trans-labeled spaces, just as Riley pointed out, it limits those people's humanity and their abilities and an audience's potential to see them as anything other than that label, to see them as the whole and real people that they are. So yes, let's have that superhero role that Riley wants to see. Let the character be trans, that would be amazing. Or let any actor who happens to be trans at the very least be considered to play a mainstream, already celebrated superhero without needing to label them as such. Let them be people, let them be actors and artists. We wouldn't do that with a lot of other diverse identities because we understand better now. Let's work to the same understanding for the trans creative community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode eight. It was so great to have you here. 
If you want to give us any thoughts, feelings, reactions to what you heard in this episode or any episodes before, please reach out to us at hello at theopenuppodcast.com or you can find us on the gram at the Open Up Pod. Thank you, of course, to our team, to Alec Lou for our artwork, for Adson for our theme music, for Jay Abel for our additional music, to producer Gemma at Studio Hendrix for all the wonderful work that you do. If you want to help us spread the word, then you can open up about what you heard. And if you want to help keep the show alive, please hit those stars at number five wherever you're listening and don't forget to leave a review because we would still continue to love to hear from you. So be well if you already are, get well if you're not, and I will see you next time for another Open Up. Where in, uh, just tell everyone where in UK you're from. I think Why are you going to make a joke about it? <laughs> just love how you kept it quiet, that's all. I, well, listen, some things people just don't need to know.